Moomin. That was Moomin with their newest album coming out this past Friday. Good morning. This content for the cultured. Moomin is a featured artist this week. That song was Woman to Woman off of their album A Minor Thought. It came out this past Friday. Great electronic album. Um, I'll get into it in a little bit, but but what are you doing here? What are you? Uh, why are you listening? Uh, happy President's Day. This is content for the culture. If you're listening to this podcast, you are either uh, a close friend of mine <laughs> or you are someone looking for the best media content to listen to, to watch. And also you just like hearing me ramble and hearing me talk about the things that I care about and talk about, um, talk about television, talk about movies, talk about music. And, and we're going to talk about the things that, that you need to concern yourselves with. So let's get started. Moomin, featured artist, need to listen to them. Uh, it's, it's a good electronic album. And, um, the reason being is it's, it's nothing, it's very simple. There's hardly any lyrics, hardly any vocals in it whatsoever, which I happen to like. I, I enjoy, um, ambiance and, you know, ambient kind of electronic music, uh, stuff that's a little more focused around the beat, tapping your foot a little bit, as opposed to, uh, the buildup and, and the, um, and the, ever so overdone uh, drop <laughs> as an EDM culture. So uh, that's not this kind of music. That's not this kind of electronic. But the nice part about it is, too, is it's not as out there as some other electronic music I featured on this podcast. Uh, I featured DJ Kose a few episodes back, and, and that was kind of one of those artists. I'm like, well, brace yourselves. Brace yourselves. This isn't the guy you're going to listen to and say, oh, my God, like, I can't wait to play this guy for all my friends. It's like, no, they're going to think I'm fucking tripping acid or they're going to think there's something wrong with me. No, this... Moomin, you know, on the other hand, I, I listened to while I was at work and I listened to about, I, I think like nine of the tracks or however many tracks are on the album, all straight through just one after the other, after the other, I wasn't doing top songs on Spotify or anything like that. I was just grinding through, uh, that album and I loved it. And I think I saved about seven or eight of the songs to various Spotify playlists, which, uh, if you want to find those playlists, either search for content for the cultured on actually, yeah, search for, search for content for the cultured on Spotify or go to contentforthecultured.com. You can find my Spotify profile on there. Find all my different playlists that I have going. Um, I'm consistently, constantly adding new music um, to them. So uh, definitely make sure to sh- try and stay in touch with that. You know, it's a good way to discover new music. You know, it's better than the Spotify new music playlist. New song from Pitbull. It's like, oh, fuck. No, no. So listen to Moomin. You know, again, it's another one of those albums. I, it's not life-changing, but I, you know, I love when I can put on an album from someone I've never heard before, especially at work nonetheless, where, you know, when you're listening to something at work, it has to be, it has to be a little bit in the lines. You know, you can't listen to anything a little too crazy or I just, I can't focus. I can't get, get the work done that needs to be done. It was kind of great background noise almost. So you'd be better off almost listening to it for the first time. If you're doing some homework or you're doing some studying, you're got a long drive and you just kind of want to zone out a little bit. Uh, so, so check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. And, and, um, and I'm interested, you know, I, I, to hear what you think. I like that. I featured some artists that aren't very popular on the past couple episodes. I featured Cyan Nugent on 
two weeks ago, the last episode, episode nine, uh, I think he, you know, has like 8,000 listeners on Spotify. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that's not important. Good for him, but that's, you know, relatively speaking, that's not very many. Um, same with movement. Let's see here how many they have. Sorry, just hit the mic there. Let's see. Yeah, 6,000. Look at this. Look at this fucking uh, podcast becoming just more and more indie and more and more douchey every day. I love it. I love it. Stay in tune to the music that you're not going to hear on the top 40. That's why you're listening to this podcast. So at least give Moomin a listen. And, you know, with bringing it up, give Cyan Nugent a listen. Um, definitely worth your time. Definitely worth your time. And speaking of Cyan Nugent, I messaged him on Instagram. I'm like, hey, I put you on my I put you on my podcast, bro. And he messaged back and said, why the fuck are you messaging me? No, he didn't. He, he, he was really nice. And he said, that's awesome, man. Thanks. Glad you, glad you like it. It was really nice. And he favorited my tweet that I sent at him too. Um, don't know if it actually increased the amount of listeners I got, unfortunately, but at least I get to get to let him know that, uh, someone cares, someone's listening and, um, trying to get the word out about the good music, about the stuff people actually need to listen to. So definitely, definitely give uh movement a listen and I'd love to hear what you think and get in contact with me, hit me up on, uh, you know, Twitter, or, uh, or at least on, at least on contentfortheculture.com. There's a contact page on there too. So I sound like, I sound like the Republican, uh, or, and Democratic. I sound like the, uh, I sound like the political pundits when they're on these debates. I watched both debates, the Democratic and Republican debate. We, we started a drinking game and, you know, we used keywords for each candidate, but the funniest part was we set a community rule. You know, you each pick a candidate. I had, I picked Bernie Sanders, of course, feel the burn, hashtag feel the burn. I picked him for the democratic debate. And one of them was like, one of the keywords was wall street. Every time they say wall street, you got to drink. I had to drink. I mean, it was brutal. I mean, you know, fucking wall street and percent for uh, Bernie is just like, it's insane. He, it's like him using the word the or something. I, I mean, he literally finds a way to fit it into every sentence. It's hilarious. And so we had a community rule on the Republican debate on Saturday night. We're like, well, if anybody, if any candidate mentions their website and not just, you know, if you go to my website, when they say the actual URL, it's just like so shameful. But at the same time, they definitely have to get the word out. And I do the same thing with this. I mean, you know, my website's on the bio for, for this podcast on iTunes. It's on the description um, when you click on that button. But nonetheless, I just love dropping it. And if you go to my website, contentfortheculture.com. So I'm just going to slip it in there. It's not smooth at all, but I want you to check it out. I want you to get in contact with me there and also find links to all the, you know, most recent podcasts, blog posts, and, uh, in the uh, most, most recent Spotify playlist as well. So it's a good way to stay in tune with the kind of music I'm going to be putting out there. Uh, not creating, I'm putting all this music out there. No, but just, you know, the stuff I'm trying to turn you on to and the stuff you, I think you should listen to. Cause I think it's really hard, um, nowadays to kind of sift through all the madness that's online and all the, uh, it's it's hard to find, you know, new music. It's hard to find good music. That's why I do this podcast. So I just, you know, if I change one person's listening habits, I'm it's worth it. It's, you know, it's worth getting up on my day off on President's Day and and uh having some coffee and talking to you guys. So thanks for listening. Episode ten. We've made it. And after I just said we made it, I thought of, you know, I it would be great if I played Drake's We Made It on the podcast to feature it, make, you know, as a little bit of a celebration, making it to episode 10, fucking Spotify only has a karaoke version. And I'm not going to disgrace this podcast with a karaoke version of one of Drake's songs. So, uh, just try and think of it. It's, you know, we made it to the 10th episode. It's exciting. 
a podcast has now been live for almost almost two months now. So it's it's fun and and thanks for listening. So while you know movements of featured artists this week, it's really all I need to t- talk about. You know, just check out the album, listen to it. I think you'll enjoy it and whatever. You know, it's that's my suggestion. Okay, I don't need to go into details. It's kind of hard to talk about how music sounds all the time. You just sometimes you just have to listen to it for yourself. So listen to Moomin, a minor thought. I'll leave the podcast with another song from them as usual. More importantly, there, there's some there's some music news that came out this this weekend. It's pretty interesting. Um, back to LCD. It's, uh, you know, I think two episodes ago or two or three. We, you know, I mentioned that they announced that they were touring again. Then they announced that they're releasing a new album. It was really exciting. And I am excited still, even after the news that just came out a couple of days ago. But I got a text from one of my friends who's into, into the music industry as well. Um, reads Pitchfork like me and, you know, listens to new music all the time. Um, and he lets me know that LCD has just signed to Columbia Records. Now, this can be both a good and a bad thing. I really, I haven't even decided yet. You know, sometimes I go into the podcast and I think of topic, you know, I, I try and plan it out a little bit. I get a little bit of an idea of, okay, I'm going to review this movie and I fucking hated it. Or, you know, I loved it, whatever. I mean, I go about it the way I go, to, I go about it. But, but sometimes with these opinionated topics like that, you know, you don't just watch them. You watch a movie, either like it or you didn't, you know. But th- th- this is complicated. You know, this is one of those things I, have ne- I, don't, even, I don't even know. I haven't even made up my mind yet. I might make up my mind how I feel about it on this episode. I really, I truly don't know. Because on one hand, we have LCD sound system, like the king of like alt electronic kind of almost rock, like alt. It's, it's, I don't even know how to classify them genre wise, which is a huge reason why should they even be signing to a major record label like Columbia. But on the other hand, you also have, okay, these guys are fucking professionals. Okay, it's it's like it's like Mac Miller signing to a major label finally after he was doing it independent for a while and it ended up working out. He released a good rap album. It it can it can really benefit or hurt an artist. I just I don't know. Cuz again, on one hand, we have a record label that has John Mayer signed. Okay? So we know what they want. They they want to shoot for the stars money-wise tour-wise, merch-wise, and that can be a good thing and a bad thing for LCD. I just hope it's not like a cash cow, and let's milk the cash cow and, and turn it into something it's not and and abuse the LCD name. That's all That's all I'm hoping, and I don't know. I really can't make up my mind on it because we don't know what direction they're going to go. Some people were up in arms about it, and, and I get it. It's it's kind of scary, and, and change is scary in general, in general, just in life, let alone to your favorite fucking bands that have, you know, influenced your life in a way that you can't even comprehend, you know? I mean, that's really the category I'd put LCD in. I, I absolutely love them. Any Anytime they're going to have some big news, I want to bring it up on the podcast because it's just, it's so exciting to talk about. And it's it's honestly a little exciting to build up to, and I'm not trying to build up the hype train, hype train as much as I can for for the new album, I don't want you, I even said on the episode, a few episodes ago, I even said, look, don't get too excited, just, you know, don't think it's going to be the most life-changing album, just, just get excited for it, just listen to it, just enjoy it, and now I just feel like this news, it's, it's just, I feel like the media, I'm like, I'm jumping onto it, and we're building the hype a little bit, and fuck it, I, it, it's going to happen a little bit, I'm not trying to do it too much, 
but it is that's a pretty big deal. I'm not going to bring up you know, you know James Murphy tweets at fans like oh, who gives a fuck like that any of that shit. I don't and I don't even know if that's a real headline, but something like that like who cares? But this is this is a big deal. Signing to a major record label that's big. Uh, and what I'm hoping is they just go in the direction of maximizing distribution, maximizing you know output and you know the amount of LCD people here. But I also Hope that we're not hearing LCD in every Taco Bell commercial that comes out. And then we're also dealing with the fact that we can't get them out of our fucking heads. You know, they're playing them on the radio like it's The weekend's new album. We don't want that. That is literally the last thing we want as LCD fans. Like, honestly, what I'm scared of most is it turning into the, the Star Wars phenomena. Where, and obviously I'm not, and this is, this is, you know, that's, this is a metaphor. This is, I'm using it as an example. I'm not using it as a direct correlation of to what's going to happen. Obviously, I don't think LCD is going to be on the level of Star Wars marketing wise whatsoever. Of course, I'm not, I'm not that stupid, but what I am worried about is just over being overdone. I mean, Star Wars by the end of it, I'm sorry. Even if you liked the movie, you have to agree with me that when they were marketing for that thing, and it was genius marketing, I'll, I'll give it to them at the start. I mean, it was everywhere. And it's like, all right, fuck. I mean, if you don't know Star Wars is coming out, like I don't know what's, you live under a rock. Like you, that actually has to be a valid explanation for why you don't know Star Wars is coming out. Cause they hammered it into your heads. It's like you watch a car commercial. And it's like Ford F-150, the force awakens. You're like, what the fuck did that come? Is it, is that an addition of the, like, what are you talking about? And it's just overdone. It scares me. I don't want that to happen with LCD. I don't want it to be pushed into our lives. I don't, that's not how, that's not how that band's meant to be. So I hope for the best. I don't think it's going to be as bad. I think James Murphy is a very dignified individual. He's very proud of what he's accomplished, what he makes, and he doesn't want to taint his reputation. So let's not freak out just yet. It's all going to be okay. It's We will make full-on judgments and assessments once the album comes out because I'm not going to build up the hype. I'm not going to get too excited because I'll get into... That is the worst thing you can do, and I've, I've talked about this before, but you can't, you can't overdo it with the anticipation or else you will undoubtedly leave disappointed. So let's not worry too much. It's exciting. Let's just, it's, it's exciting and it's scary at the same time. And it's just exciting that LCD is in the news. I mean, that's just so awesome. I didn't, I really didn't think it was going to be happening, happening anytime soon. And then there were rumors kind of coming around in December after they released that Christmas song. So, you know, we'll, we'll take it. It's, it, we'll take it as indie fans and as, uh, as fans of LCD and a, a truly good dance music, we'll, we'll take that, we'll take it that they're going to be the ones in the headlines right now. And they're making mainstream headlines. It's very exciting because they truly did leave at their peak. So it, let's hope for the best. And this is my, this is my optimistic prediction. Columbia takes the LCD brand doesn't turn it into, you know, oh, you're going to have an LCD bumper, bumper sticker everywhere. We're going to make them the fucking Beatles. It's like, no, let's just hope that they are smart enough, which I assume they are. And I trust James Murphy enough. I don't think he would abuse it just to turn it into a cash cow. He wouldn't abuse the LCD name. Let's just hope they maximize distribution. A lot of people are listening because, look, I know we want them to stay underground. It's, it's that classic battle with being the one of, well, I heard them first. I heard them first and I, I listened to them. I was listening to them 
And you know, you never fucking heard them. Like you're, you were the one that was listening to the fucking radio and I had to scour the internet for this track. You know, I get that. We all want that. But at the same time, it gets to a point with a band where, look, I want everybody to enjoy this. When I play LCD, I'm like, I want everybody to listen to this band and realize how fucking good they are. And everybody should be able to enjoy that. And if that's a problem for you with why you like a band, being liked by a lot of people doesn't necessarily mean poppy. It doesn't mean shit's going to get radio play. There are plenty of artists that people can listen to and everybody loves, but okay, we know that they're not played on the radio. We all just kind of have an understanding that they're great. And I think LCD is actually a great example of that. I think they're a very, they're kind of that underground. Yeah, they're not, I think you're almost underground if you're not played on the radio at all. I mean, you're almost always going to be an underground indie kind of artist. If you're not making radio play, you're touring and you're, you're earning it the hard way. You're fucking blue collar getting your hands dirty on the tour. And that's definitely the kind of band that LCD is. So let's hope that they don't, you know, shoot into the fucking stratosphere enough where they're getting played on the radio, like pop radio, like that would make me sick. And there's no way I'm even going to throw out that as a possible prediction right now. That's just like a possibility, but that's not, I don't, I'm not predicting that. I'm not, no, I refuse to even think that could happen with something like this. That's totally overreacting. But if it does, if it does happen, you heard it here first. Um, Nonetheless. I don't think they're going to shoot into the stratosphere like that. I do think they're going to become a little bit more well-known, but that's not the worst thing in the world. I think more people will hear them. They'll get more Spotify plays, Spotify follows, whatever YouTube views. They'll like put together probably expensive music videos or something like that, but that's not the worst thing in the world. So I'm not freaking out yet. It's not the end of the world yet. Just thought I should mention it. And that's, you know, that's 10 minutes of the podcast right there. Just ranting ranting about the fucking LCD signing. So we'll, we'll see. We'll have to just wait and see what happens. And speaking of news too, another thing I wanted to talk about was Kanye's new album finally coming out. So I know it came out like yesterday and I think it's on like title and maybe even Apple music. I don't know. I don't think he's releasing it on Spotify for another week. Just trying to get people to sign up for title. It's like, fuck you dude. Like, God damn it. Spotify was here first. Spotify has made it easy. You just kind of came out of nowhere. And uh, I mean, I'm just an avid Spotify supporter. And if you're listening to this and you're like, fuck, dude, just put it on title, put it on Apple Music. I really, I really want to hear all the music. I'm honestly, I'm just too lazy. And the only way I would ever think of doing that is someone, if like, if someone actually specifically let me know that. But I don't even know anybody who has title. I don't even know who I would get into uh, with connection to that. So, I mean, either way, either way, that's, that's all Kanye's on right now. And he just put out the album and of course, Pitchfork, which I'm an avid follower of. And I found the most two recent artists, Moomin and Cyan Nugent that were on the podcast through. Thankfully, I have a job now where I can listen to music. I'm in musical heaven hearing new artists and new music I like every day, every week. It's amazing. But more importantly, the album drops and... Pitchfork gives it a 9 out of 10 best new music. Great. No, great. I, I get it. I get it. You love Kanye. I get it. You fucking love him. And everybody does. It's like the new Kendrick Lamar album. And it's great. And 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 disclaimer, I know I've mentioned on here, I don't really like rap music. I don't really listen to it. Well, I changed my mind. Not on the fact that I do or don't like it. Cause I can't make that decision yet. I'm going to start listening to it. I, I, I was thinking 
last night I'm like, fuck, I can't just shut out all this music. I'm being the people I hate that are close minded to music. So you're, you're hearing it here first. It's the change is going to happen. And I'm going to listen. I'm going to start with Kanye's new album and I'm going to see what I think. Cause I remember I listened to Yeezus and I fucking hated it, but I listened to it in like, what was it? 2013? Like what the fuck music was I listening to then? Anyways, like I, I mean, come on, that's, that's three years ago. So I'm going to give it another shot and, and I'm excited, you know, in terms of its new music and, and it's highly recommended. People are enjoying it. it. I fucking hope it knocks my socks off. Like I do, I do. And yeah, I just said that knock my socks off. I fucking hope it does, but I get tired of checking pitchfork or seeing stuff in the news and people talking about fucking Kanye. Like he's a Kardashian and I get it. I mean, he literally, I mean, I guess he literally is a Kardashian or a, you know, vice versa. Kim is a West. I don't know what the fuck they go by. I mean, I get that, but it's like, oh, the media just drives me fucking crazy and his music gets dragged down by it. In my opinion, I fucking hate when these media outlets just suffocate you with this news, with you, like this Kanye album, if you don't love, like, it's just, if you don't love it, what the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, it's not specifically saying that, but I feel that way because it's getting just jammed down my throat and it sucks that even... One of the most, I mean, not balanced, because I would say Pitchfork is actually pretty fucking skewed sometimes towards not pop, not poppy things, kind of like this podcast, which is fine. You know, this is a biased podcast in terms of that. But Pitchfork is at least a very well-known and venerable source. We can We can rely on it, and it just sucks that I just feel sometimes you're not even given a choice. And I feel like sometimes it's just canned and we already know what's coming. And I'm looking up venerable. Is that, is that the right word to use? Let's see. Oh, fuck yeah. Definitely. Venerable. Accorded a great deal of respect, especially because of age, age, wisdom, or character. Well, I would go with wisdom and character for Pitchfork. Uh, very venerable source. And you, you're just not given a choice with, with Kanye and you're not given a choice with Ken, Kendrick and it's the top 100 albums of the year and you, you almost just know. You're like, well, I know what number one's going to be. Like, damn, come on. And, and really, I guess it's just a problem of dealing with the Kanye shit and, and the Kim Kardashian shit. It, that kind of torno, tornado of like news bullshit, I just can't stand. Like, I can't. Like, I want to live in L.A., but I also would, I really... Like, it's cool, like, being around celebrities. You get to see them. But, like, the news, like, just the way that they dig into their lives and pick it apart, it's just, like, who gives a fuck? Like, and, and people care and, like, listen to it. And I just think, like, yeah, like, oh, I'll watch, like, the Oscar news. But when it's, like, talking about a celebrity and it's, like, they, t- they fucking went swimming at the beach today. Like, what? Who? What? Who gives a shit? Like, they're a person. Like, they go do that. I, I mean, I know Kanye's, like, a fucking artist and he's, like, a quote-unquote genius. But the dude is just like fucking anybody, anybody else. He has to put his, you know, pants on one leg at a time, as they say. But that's so fucking ridiculous. But I mean, you know, you get what I'm saying. And so sometimes it feels that way with Pitchfork or with, with, with Pitchfork and their assessment of Kanye and other artists as well. And they're doing the same thing with LCD. And I kind of, you know, kind of goes in line with the record signing being a huge news topic. I mean, they don't, but I mean, I guess LCD doesn't put that out there and it's, it's Kanye's thing as well. He's, he is a pop culture icon and he's fucking eating it up. I mean like crazy. And he's just like stirring shit up with Taylor Swift right now before the Oscars. 
Like he kind of seems like an asshole. Like, and I mean, obviously if I was in the same room as Kanye, I'd shake the man's hand and be like, holy shit, this is like, whoa, this is Kanye. Like, this would be badass. But at the end of the day, like, come on, like he kind of seems like an asshole. I don't know though. I don't know. And I'm scared to put this podcast up. I'm, I Maybe I won't upload it because he t- kind of scares me. Like that, like he literally never smiles. He never fucking smiles. I mean, maybe that's how you get famous. I don't fucking know. But nonetheless, nonetheless, I, I mean, I can go off on it all day. It's, it just bugs me. I will listen to the album though. And I just want to say, I will give rap music a try. Rap music. <laughs> Why did I say that? I'll give that rap music a try. No, I really, I really will listen to it and I'll, I will try and be as honest and open at, you know, to it as, as I can. And I just will have to look at it as any other kind of music. And, you know, I don't like metal, like pitchfork reviews, a lot of metal and I'll listen to metal and I'm just like, um, this, I, I cannot, like, this is just too much for me. And some people have the ear for it and some people don't, especially with, I mean, I think it just as with metal, it'd be the same thing for jazz. I mean, it's, it kind of goes across all genres of music, but I personally haven't, I don't hate rap. I don't like it though. And I'm just kind of just like, whatever. I don't really listen to it. Like, I mean, I, I actively don't really like metal. Like it just kind of is noise in my ears, just in the sense of it's just too much. And so with rap, I at least there, you know, I liked Kendrick Lamar's album. I mean, it was fine. You know, it was good. I, I just only listened to it like once or twice. Cause I don't listen to it casually. So I'll give it a shot and, and we'll see what happens. And I, I hope I enjoy it and I hope I fucking feature it. Actually, no, I don't know if I'll feature Kanye. He's a little too mainstream. It's like, okay, dude, we get it. You like Kanye's new album. I kind of want to go a little off the beaten path. Give someone a reason to actually listen to the podcast. You're an artist like Moomin who fucking nobody knows of and probably no one will ever know of. But either way, it's worth giving it a shot. So nonetheless, I'll, I'll, I'll give Kanye's album a shot too and, and, and we'll see. And, and after with, after that, I will give Kendrick Lamar's album another listen as well. And I want to talk about that on the podcast, see what I think. Cause I, I, I did, I did enjoy it. I really loved the jazz influences, but at the end of the day, I'm just not, I'm not a huge rap fan. It's just like, it is harsh and it's just like, I don't know, but I'll give it a shot. I mean, I liked Mac Miller's newest album. God, I, I just sounded so white. Oh God. I just sounded so fucking white. I didn't like Kendrick's album, but Mac Miller's he's so cool. Senior skip day, right? Nike's on my feet, right? It's like, God damn, you sound so white, dude. Like, every fucking white dude likes Mac Miller. But I should I should like Kendrick and Kanye as well. I just really, I don't listen to rap at all. I think, like, I listen to Mac Miller's rap album just because I listened to that and Kendrick, like, those are just, I don't know. There's no other rappers I really know. So, I will give, I'll give it a shot. And, um, so, I, I think that's enough about really music. I mean, we're half an hour in and covered a few topics and give you a new artist, listen to a new album, which is always great. And, and like I, like I said earlier, I'll be able to have new music for you a lot more often now, rather than going back on old artists I've already added to that playlist. So I'm, I'm excited. And I, I think, you know, having new music for you guys and for me is always going to be kind of a, a two birds, one stone thing. So it's great. Uh, but I, I kind of wanted to get into a little bit of movie talk. I, I don't really have anything TV talk wise. Uh, um, I mean, there's news, there's exciting stuff. Let, let's save the movies for the end. Let's save my movie reviews for the end of the episode because you're going to hear some fucking ranting and that's, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly. I'm going to, I'm a little fucking pissed. Okay. I'm a little fucking pissed. With a movie ticket that's $14, I almost should be guaranteed a good time or my money back. Because fuck. 
What a waste. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. What I want to talk about TV, just news. It's exciting. Uh, we got we got vinyl premiering uh, already. It premiered yesterday on HBO. So fucking great. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, I, I mean, so great. I haven't even watched it yet, but I, I was finishing season four of Boardwalk last night. Nonetheless, I'm just excited to start even another show, start another new show. I mean, I'm, I'm almost done with Boardwalk. I got eight episodes left. I It's fucking amazing. Fucking amazing. But but Vinyl's exciting. It's from the same creator. Uh, Ter- I think Terrence Winter is his name, something like that. He's doing it with Scorsese. Scorsese, Scorsese. It's a, it's a reference to like a Jack Black YouTube video. If you didn't get that, it's a pretty obscure reference. So don't, <laughs> don't worry about that one. Scorsese, Scorsese. But uh, I just like saying that. It's fun to say. Uh, but it's with Scorsese, Terrence Winter, and I think like Mick Jagger is producing it too. So it, it'll be cool. It's kind of like the random Mark Wahlberg production on Boardwalk. You're like, oh, okay, he just has a shitload of money. That's cool. I mean, Mick Jagger makes sense. It's not totally random. Obviously, he's huge into music, and he can be a great reference point for, for that show, which is hopefully that'll make it more authentic. But it's it's going to be great, and I, I already know it's going to be great. Like, I'm not worried about it, and I'm not even trying to get my hopes up. I just know it's going to be good, so I'm not questioning it. Because, fuck, when was the last thing, when was the last time Scorsese made a shitty movie? Like, honestly. Does it happen? I don't know. I really, I, let me know. Honestly, is there a bad score? I mean, I could look online, but I don't even think, let's, let's check it out. Yeah, we're going to get into this. This is this is the fun part of the podcast called George Google stuff. Something you can't do, something only I can do. So here we'll make. Let's see, let's look at his movies. And I'm not on Rotten Tomatoes. Sorry for the feedback there. I'm not on Rotten Tomatoes, so I'm not even seeing reviews or numbers. Vinyl. Well, we know it's gonna be good. We got. Boardwalk and and sorry I'm just I was playing with the mic there gonna sorry about that feedback try and minimize that as much as possible after the tumultuous episode four I think it was it was pretty bad okay so we're just gonna go direction and I mean I know we're gonna include Boardwalk because he directed the first episode he's produced he produced that entire thing and you better believe there's a big reason why that's good is because he's involved with every episode he's not just throwing his money at it he's throwing his ideas at it too so we got vinyl we got Sinatra oh that's gonna be good That'll be, anything Scorsese, I was like, that'll be fucking good. Okay, Wolf of Wall Street, obviously amazing. We're going to go like main things. Hugo, I heard Hugo was good. I didn't see it. No no room to talk there. George Harrison, Living in the Material World. Heard it was an amazing documentary. Boardwalk Empire. Let's, yeah, we know there. Another documentary. I mean, I don't see all these docs. Shutter Island was good. Okay, I mean, that's, that one wasn't like amazing. It wasn't like the greatest movie. It was good. I mean, I guess I went into it knowing the twist beforehand, so it kind of fucking ruined it. The Departed. Departed's, like, fucking amazing. Aviator, which, surprisingly, I haven't seen the whole thing, but I was watching a little bit of it this weekend. It's obviously a great movie. I'll have to watch it again, though. Kings of New York, great great movie. Uh, Bringing Out the Dead, never seen, kind of done. I mean, yeah, there's some... Okay, maybe there are some bad movies in, like, the 90s and 80s. I don't know. I never really watched, like, all of them. I've just seen the classics, like Raging Bull, Taxi Driver... Mean Streets, Casino, oh fuck, Casino's so good, so look, point being, it's, uh, it's he's involved, and obviously Scorsese, we all know he's fucking great, so 
nonetheless, you know, it's going to be a great show. I'm excited. I'm excited. It already premiered. It's a two hour premiere, which is so cool. Like I talked about this a few episodes ago where I went into the fact that we're so lucky that we have all this digital streaming at our fingertips. And not only that, it makes it easier for great creators of stuff to make more stuff. I mean, literally, it's like a fucking Scorsese movie in your own home for two hours. No commercial interruptions, nothing at all. It's a beautiful thing. I'm so excited to watch a two-hour pilot. That's fucking tight, dude. Like, I mean, you're given two hours with a normal movie to get everything you get in like a serialized television show. I, 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 I think it's just, it's almost comparing like apples to oranges. Like TV is, TV, TV really is on the forefront now of like acting and directing and quality. And I think Breaking Bad was a really big way for shows on cable networks like AMC and stuff to really make a name for themselves and really stand out and not just be, you know, pay-per-view. Oh, you got HBO Showtime. You'll see the good shows there. No, you'll see them everywhere now. It's amazing. So I think it's just so exciting that there's a two-hour Martin Scorsese-directed pilot, essentially a fucking movie setting up like a sequel. That's the way I'm going to look at it. The sequel being the rest of the first season, I guess. But uh, it's it's going to be a great show. It's it's on HBO Go. You can stream it there. Of course, get an HBO Go account. If you've listened to this podcast at all, you know the HBO Go account or HBO Now if you don't have a cable provider. is And I'm, this is not a paid advertisement. And that's it sounds like one. I wish it were. But it's not. I mean, you need this streaming service or you're wasting your time. Obviously, everybody needs Netflix, but you also need HBO too. And uh, and once you get that, it's it's a fucking game changer. There's so much good content to go around. So you got to listen or watch. Sorry. And, uh, and, and so vinyl starts. That's great news. That's exciting. And then on top of that, in a week, we have Togetherness Season 2 premiering and Girls, Lena Dunham's show premiering. And I think I've mentioned that I like Girls. I mean, I'm not like, it's not my favorite show, but it's like, it's a good show. I mean, you can watch it as a guy and be like, hey, it's still good. I mean, I'm not like, that'd be like so sexist. That's not funny. It's it's actually hilarious if you watch it and think it's not funny. Like, I don't know. Lena Dunham's a great writer and she's a great creator. So uh, I I think it's worth, um, it's worth watching the last season of that show. I I watch it on and off with my girlfriend and and it's, it's funny. It's good. So I'm I'm excited for that to see how that ends. See how she wraps it up writing wise. Because I think that's a true test of a writer and creator of a show. How do they bring it to a conclusion? She's doing like five seasons. It's like great for you. End it on the good note. Let the, let the story end where it should. And I hope she wraps it up well. I hope it's not forced because I don't know if it should even go another season. I think five seasons is like the perfect amount. Same with Breaking Bad, Boardwalk, Sopranos essentially had five seasons. I mean, I guess it had six or six and a half or something. I don't know. It was really weird. But Sopranos was right around there. It's the perfect amount of time before it gets like eight, nine season, How I Met Your Mother, which I've never even watched that show, but it gets out of control. You know, it just gets, the plot lines start to just get fucking awful. It, it, so it's, it's good that they're bringing it to a conclusion at the right point. And, and then also for togetherness, I don't even know if I've mentioned that show. It's from the Duplass brothers. And if you haven't watched the first season and you have an HBO account right now, I'm, I think the last time I like made a fucking PSA about a show was like, show me a hero. I'm like, you need to watch this fucking mini series. You have to watch it. And the same goes for, uh, for, for togetherness. It, it's an incredible show and it's 20 minute episodes. I mean, I watched the first season, you know, I binge, I, I, I feel like I've actually ranted about this before. It sounds, it sounds familiar. So I need a producer. I'm hiring a producer volunteer work. Volunteer work will be provided. I will not fucking pay you, but I wish someone could keep track of all the shit I ramble on about, 
But like I said, it's 20 minute episodes. You can just crank through it like it's nobody's business. And I just crushed it so fast. It was so good. And, and it's from the Duplass brothers. They do all these like mumblecore as the genre of uh, genre as a genre of, of film. And, and basically it's, it's kind of like an underplayed, very down to earth, indie comedy, dark comedy style that I just love. It's like Greenberg. It's like Noah Baumbach. It's like Wes Anderson back in the day when he was less uh, extravagant with his outfits and costumes, which is fine. You know, no, no big deal. But um, it's that kind of style, and um, I think they did a movie, Jeff Who Lives at Home. I loved it. I just love those kind of stories that are just so human, so straightforward, and so, just, yeah, I mean, really, just so human. That's the best way to put it, and that's the best way to describe the show. I mean, it, it basically centers on, I can't remember if it's Jay or Mark uh, Duplass, but, um, and I might be saying the last name wrong, too, but... It's one of those brothers, he's the actor, and then the other brother kind of directs a lot of the stuff. They do a lot of things together. And he plays this like middle-aged dude working in L.A. and kind of works on a film set as like a soundstage or something. But, you know, he's married, has some kids, and the marriage isn't like great. They're just kind of older, going through midlife crisis a little bit. And it's just like his brother was a struggling actor, and then there's this crazy girl. I mean, it's just... It's interesting. It's just like, okay, I could see myself in this guy's shoes. I could see this wife. I can see how a girl could relate to what she's going through. It's hard, you know, like growing up and and getting married and having fucking kids and doing all that shit is hard. No matter how much you enjoy it or whatever. I mean, it's going to be difficult and there's ups and downs. And I think the show really captures that with that great indie comedy humor and, and that sense of, of how real life is and how how to write authentically and how to, how to not be over the top with it. I, I think it really keeps it, you know, there's a few moments maybe here and there. You're like, I don't know if that would totally happen in real life. That kind of got out of hand, but it's overall, it's really good. I mean, it's a show, you know, they got to have stuff be a little exaggerated every once in a while. So the second season of that's coming out, it's great. And, and I think I mentioned on the last episode, I am dreading the fact that all these shows I'm so excited to watch now are going to be like week by week. I, cause I'm such a fucking binger and it just sucks. I'm going to have to like be patient. Like I don't, that's not what I do. I don't do that. So we'll, we'll see, but th that's, those are like the previews. I mean, I'm not really doing a TV review. I've, I'm still watching boardwalk. I've checked out a few other things, but it's, it's just exciting for vinyl togetherness and girls. We got three great shows coming out on HBO and, and also uh, a fourth show to even mention, I think February 19th, it premieres is, uh, uh, Judd Apatow's new show Love I think on Netflix I hope it's good it's kind of that same indie style it seems like just a couple getting together when they're in their teens or something I don't know and, and it's just hopefully classic Apatow and classic gold because he's just so talented I love his work so four shows getting excited things to review things to talk about on the on the podcast here we got new music coming out new TV uh, and movies are kind of fading off a little bit it's past the holiday season that's how it goes but uh, that's a TV pre preview. And uh, speaking of movies, let's let's get into my review of reviews of The Hateful Eight and Hail Fucking Caesar. We'll just start it out with, with The Hateful Eight. Fine. It was fine. I mean, it was good. It was, a, I mean, it was, ugh. <laughs> it was good. I mean, it was fine. It was whatever. It was Tarantino just being fucking Tarantino. Just, uh, I'll, I'll put it this way. It starts out great. I love the I love the way it starts. I love the Western 
themed kind of snow adventure a little bit. That's not done very often. I thought it was, I love that. I mean, it's a great setting. It's cold as fuck and people don't have, you know, it's, it's back in the day, 1800s. It really makes you feel the time period, which I, I really like that aspect of it. And, you know, Samuel L being like, it starts out just him needing to get a ride on the carriage with, uh, what the, f- uh, Kurt Russell, his Kurt, Kurt Russell's character. Don't remember any characters' names. We're going off to, off of actors' names. And so I love that start of it. I love the winter theme. I I love the beginning 30 to 45 minutes. The setup is just great. The acting is just phenomenal, I think. I, I mean, I didn't really like Kurt Russell's character that much. I wasn't into him. I thought he was a little little over the top. And I, I'm, you know, it's fucking Tarantino, so it's fine. Whatever. He wants to be over the top sometimes. But I, I really did like... Samuel L. Jackson's performance. I mean, he's just so good and he fits so perfectly into every, every role he plays for Quentin Tarantino. He's so talented. They're just a great match. Uh, it's like Leo. Honestly, I, I put it on the, on the, uh, on the level playing field of like Leo and Scorsese together. It's just, it's just two peas in a pot. I mean, it works perfectly. And so his performance is great. Jackson does a great job at the start. They do a great job setting it up. The scene writing is amazing. I mean, Obviously, uh, obviously Tarantino's a great screenwriter. He puts together good movies and interesting plots and kind of puts a spin on structure a lot of the time and, and when to reveal key plot points just to fuck with the viewers. It's, it's interesting and it keeps you wanting to know what happens next. But on top of that, sorry, just kick the table. Um, on top of that, he's also a really good scene writer. And I don't know if that's like a specific thing, but I'm, I'm making it one because he really, he really just writes great scenes. And his dialogue builds and builds and builds to every every next point it always is ramping up every line I mean there's rarely a movie like that or a show even where every line just builds upon another and it does so and it feels natural I mean there was a scene where the, the great example is if you've seen Hateful Eight there's a scene where they're in the carriage and Samuel L. Uh, Walton Coggins whatever his name is uh, the the the, the woman played by uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh and then there's finally Kurt Russell's character and they're all in the carriage and it's just like a basic exposition scene where and and I'd say basic just in terms of structure just like well like Walton Coggins says to Kurt Russell who likes Samuel L. Jackson who's said he's some famous colonel whatever and that you know he's very well regarded and respected essentially is the understanding at the start and then Walton Coggins Walter Coggins I can't fucking remember what it is Mr. Coggins says something along the lines of, you know, well, did you hear what he did at this camp? And basic exposition scene in the sense of this dialogue's just like, well, here's what I did. And then it's like, but I thought you did this. No, but then I did this. And then I did this. And then here's why I did it. And then it's like, holy shit. And then the scene ends. But when I watched it, it, I immediately I saw, I'm like, okay, this is what this is. You know, fucking light bulb goes off. I'm like, all right, here we go. Time to give us a little bit of background on Samuel L. Char- Samuel L.'s character and show how ruthless he is and stuff. But the way he does it even is still so different. I mean, the dialogue that went along with the exposition, it felt so natural that if you weren't specifically looking for it, which I was because I just saw it coming and I'm like, oh, okay. But then the scene itself was still very strong. It was still... you. It was still great acting. It was still 
true to each character and it felt almost as natural as it possibly could have in terms of just giving a character a little more depth a little more background and it wasn't it wasn't contrived at all it didn't it didn't feel that way and it almost it used that scene in a sense of we're not just going to make exposition out of this we're going to build the characters even more and show kind of who they are we had just met uh the coggins mr coggins's character and he automatically starts kind of rambling on you can see okay this guy's a big mouth okay this Kurt Russell's kind of a fucking idiot. Like, I mean, we kind of thought this before, but he doesn't really get what's going on here. He's not really in the loop. And then I think we see that Jennifer Jason Leigh's character is like kind of gross and whatever, like spitting blood or something. I can't even remember. It's kind of gross, but, um, you know, it's, it's just a good example of his strong scene writing abilities. And I hope if you've seen it or you, you agree with me or if you haven't seen it yet, take, keep a lookout for that scene. I mean, it's the first one they're all together in and I, I think it's pretty noticeable how, okay, this is trying to, yeah, we know what this is doing, but it, it kind of does a little more with it and and takes it a little further in a, in a really great way. So I loved how it started. And then my problem with it is, and this is why if I had to like give it a star rating, this movie would be like a total like three out of four, you know, it'd be like, okay, like it was good, but then it just kind of fucking derailed and did it's that second half Tarantino over the top bullshit. The same thing happened in Django. It really did. And I'm sorry if you watch Django and you're like, no, the ending was perfect. It's like, no, the ending was a little too much. I'm sorry. And I haven't seen it in a while, but He's like swimming in the pool of blood essentially. And it's just like, fuck Tarantino, we get it, but I don't want to watch Kill Bill. And maybe people enjoy that. And I think a lot of people do, obviously. These movies make lots of money, but it just felt like it was, it feels like a cop-out almost. It's like Tarantino's like, instead of writing a great ending to this story and writing the ending that you as a viewer deserve... I'm just going to fucking give you that bloody bullshit that I throw in all, all my movies to just take it over the top and really put the Tarantino flair in it. And to me, it just, it's too much. You can be gory and you can be very graphic, but still tell an amazing story, even if it's a simple one, like Hateful Eight. I mean, The Revenant, I think, did a great job with that. The Revenant was very gory, very brutal, very violent, visceral film. But at the same time, it kept the story going and it didn't it didn't use it just to be like at the end of the plot we're going to have this bloodiest battle ever between Tom Hardy's character and Leo's character spoiler alert sorry uh i mean fuck it you've seen Revenant by now if you haven't what the hell are you doing with your life it's the same exact thing except with with fucking Tarantino he just he just takes it a little too too over the top for me and it's frustrating because there are these classic movies he has where it's like Reservoir Dogs is so not over the top bloody. It's so just simple, interesting story. Plot really just unravels and just slowly but surely till the end. And, and he withholds the same thing, you know, key plot points and flashbacks and the structure of the story is strange. Keeps it interesting from the fucking get go. It's awesome. Uh, and, and another great example, I mean, obviously Pulp Fiction, his greatest, there's no doubt. Pulp Fiction just has an awesome plot, amazing structure great character depth and it goes it does go a little over the top sometimes i think like the gimp suit scene is like a little like that's okay i'm not saying it's over the top in a bad way i'm just saying that's like whoa okay that's not something you normally see like that is a little whoa that's fucking crazy but i think it it really adds to the style of the film and it's not it to me it's not contrived like i was saying earlier it's not uh forced it's kind of just like oh this is some freaky fuck that like they like to 
do this to people. Like this is really fucked up. Like, you know, it kind of, it, it, it works as strange and as fucking weird as it is. It works. And then another third grade example. And honestly, I don't know if it's, I mean, Pulp Fiction is definitely his best movie, but another great example is Inglorious Bastards. I've, it's a great film. And it, I guess it does get a little over the top when they're like shooting Hitler at the end. Oh, spoiler alert. When they're shooting Hitler at the end and he's like dead, it's like that alternate uh, possibility of like a, you know, alternate ending to the war or something where we kill Hitler and get him and it ends the war early and it's like an assassination mission, whatever. The way like that's done, it almost feels justified, almost dignified because it's like, it's fucking Hitler. So like it almost is like, well, as disgusting and as gory as that was, it had, I mean, I, I get why someone would do that considering what he's done as a person. So as much as it was over the top, it's kind of the same thing as Pulp Fiction. It's like, well, it almost fits as fucked up as that is to say, and I don't agree with that. But the exact opposite can be said for the ending in Hateful Eight and the same in Django. I just don't like when these endings get over the top, they get bloody, they get brutal, and they just fucking strip away from the story. They strip away from things you should really care about. I shouldn't fucking care. Like, it's just, it takes away from the reality of the story. And I l always have loved Tarantino because he creates a very realistic kind of a reality of something that, that is believable, but it's also like everybody's really quick-witted and really funny and these really interesting characters. But but I get so invested in the stories. I mean, he does such a great job, job of bringing into a world, but it also being something that's like, okay, this is something I can believe in. You know, except like Kill Bill. Obviously, that's classic martial arts are like on strings and like flying around and shit. That's, that's done that way for a reason. But something like Hateful Eight or Inglourious Bastards, where he's really just trying to tell a grounded story just with that, a little bit of that Tarantino flair. There's a way to do it and there, there's a way not to. And I'm obviously, at the end of the day, I'm just a fucking, you know, I'm just a person sitting podcasting and he's the guy making millions out there, making the movies, making his own movies he wants to make. And so he may not listen to me. He not, he may not give a shit. Okay. That's fine, and I get it, but I just have to get it off my chest because I thought it was fine. I'm like, whatever. And then by the end of the night, I remember I came home reviewing it. My roommates were all talking about it. Like, yeah, it was good. It was cool. No, I mean, by the end of the night, I remember we were just like, yeah, it kind of sucked. Like we just said that. We're like, eh, eh. It kind of sucked, and, and that's what those endings do to me because it just, it's like, you know, I invest all this time, and then you kind of just slap me in the face with this hour and a half gore fest or hour gore fest at the end. I think in, you know, spoiler alert, I'm going to go over the plot with Hateful Eight. I think from the first, from the first killing in the house where Samuel L. shot uh, Bruce Dern's character. Love Bruce Dern. God, he's a great actor. But when, when Samuel L. Jackson shot him, then it just, and then the, I guess the intermission, then the coffee's poisoned or whatever. That was when like, oh shit, this is interesting. And it got even a little more interesting when he's like, getting people caught, but it all kind of went off the rails a little bit with the blood vomiting thing. Like, okay, I was willing to let that slide because I'm like, all right, maybe this fucking poison, and that was so gross, but like, maybe this poison would make you vomit blood like that. Like, okay. And Tarantino's just kind of fucking weird. Like, I think he just, and he would admit that himself. Like, I mean, I really, I think he would. Like, he's a strange guy and he makes strange movies and that's fine. That's great, actually. That's why we love him. But, you know, so so with the blood vomiting thing, when some the people get poisoned, I'm like, okay, I'll let that one thing slide. I'll, I mean, that was fucking, that was pretty bad, though, dude. Like, I think Jennifer Jason Leigh's character got, like, the blood and guts on her face and had them on their hair, in her hair the rest of the movie. And it's just, 
I know that's like what he does. And it's like, haha, it's kind of funny. And it's like, honestly, it's just kind of fucking gross. And I just don't know if it's really necessary. Like it's, that's how it feels to me. So it started to just kind of go off the rails a little bit at the end there. And then, you know, Samuel L is ranting and raving and saying who the fuck did this and going through the cabin. And then it gets interesting again. And then it kind of just like flashes back to the day before and then just kind of reveals everything. And that, that didn't feel, that didn't feel super vindicating for, for an ending to a film. It really didn't feel, I'm going to see if that's the right word. I, I love just looking up words on the, t- all the time on the podcast, but it's, let's see, it wasn't a vindicating ending. I really, this dictionary setting on the, just highlight, the, if you didn't know this, highlight your word on iMessage, select it, go to the right, and then just hit define. Dictionary built into the phone. You don't need an internet connection for it. It's amazing. Clear someone of blame or suspicion. Eesh. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> We'll make it work. I it vindicated him of the, uh, you think the ending would vindicate him of the, uh, like gross atrocities performed in the middle of like near the end of the movie, but it didn't. And it kind of took away from all of it. Like where, where Channing Tatum's characters revealed and they show that and spoiler alert, I'm sorry, you should see the fucking movie. I saw it too late anyway. So you guys are probably all ahead of the game here, but they are hiding in the cabin. They're sneaking around uh, or Channing Tatum's under the ground and it's revealed that they there's like a bunch of imposters and they're a bad gang. It, it's just kind of like one of those twist reveals where you're like, oh, okay, that explains it. And it's like, wasn't that like, I don't know. I just wasn't that into it. I don't know. I, I wasn't that into when that twist came about and I just was kind of like, ah, I don't really care anymore. And maybe it had something to do with being in the cabin the whole time. I mean, I get it's just like a weird stylistic choice again from Tarantino. That's what he does. But wasn't into it. I, I wasn't just like in love with it. It was, it was fine. It was like, I'd say a two and a half to three, uh, out of four stars kind of movie. I mean, honestly at the start, I would baseline it at three and a half stars and probably not four, but it started out three and a half stars for me. Like the first 30, 45 minutes, I was like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. And then it really did, you know, it starts to slowly, uh, devolve a little bit once they get in the cabin and, it's still good though. It's still good. And then, you know, once people start vomiting up blood and, and there's just, it just gets over the top and people get their nuts shot off and you see everything. And it's just like, Oh, okay. That's, that's why well, I didn't think I would see that in my lifetime, but there you go. There you have it. Thanks Tarantino. It's like, no, I don't, I didn't want to see that, you know? So that's, that's my kind of tentative review of not tentative, but just, I mean, I was just, it was a pretty, it's like tap water. It's like, all right, whatever. It's not hot, not cold. It's just like, it is like, it's just kind of like in the middle. I'm like, whatever, you know, I'm not just kind of one way or the other. It's, if someone's like, I fucking hated it. But like, yeah, kind of hated it too. They're like, I really liked it. But yeah, I mean, I liked these parts. You know, it's 50, 50. That's just how it was. And then the second movie, which I really didn't like, and you probably got the, you know, notion of that from when I was talking earlier, hail Caesar sucked. I'm sorry. Hail Caesar sucked. The newest movie from the Coen brothers. I did not like it. I, and I want you to see it. I want people to see it. No one's going to see it. It didn't make much money. Like the first week, I think it made like 12 million and it's just going to start, you know, it doesn't have good reviews. I mean, it had, it had good critic reviews. One of those movies on Rotten Tomatoes, 80% certified fresh. And then you look at the user score and it's like 48%. I saw that as go, I was going to the theater and I'm not trying to like 
I was trying to actually prove to my girlfriend. I'm like, hey, look, it's certified fresh. I think we'll enjoy it. And then I saw that. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like, that's usually a really bad sign because that's just like the normal everyday viewer. And it's that's really low. And I get why it was that low. And it, it didn't affect my viewing. I'm not saying that's like, oh, this is going to suck. I'm like, no, this will be good. It just really wasn't that good. It was one of those movies where it's like, okay, we get it. You got all this star power. You're the fucking Coen brothers. But at the end of the day, you can't make a great movie out of a shit story, no matter how many fucking stars you have. It didn't even have a story. Oh God, I hate movies like that. Like it, it's like the, one of those ensemble, ensemble casts and Ralph Fiennes, George Clooney, Scarlett Johansson, Channing Tatum. Um, who else? I mean, Tons of other, I mean, there's really just like, oh, and Josh Brolin, who I, uh, I'm, I, he's all right. I mean, he's great. No, no country for old men. I really don't know if I'm convinced on him as I, I didn't really like him that much in inherent vice. I don't, was he an in inherent vice? Yeah, he was. I didn't really like him that much. He's just not that good to me. I don't know. Whatever. Maybe it's just something. I don't like his fucking face or something. I don't know. It might be something weird. It might be something really dumb like that. I don't know. We'll see though. I mean, he's, he's kind of a big actor now, so maybe I'll warm up, but nonetheless, it's a great cast and everything like that, but it just has no story. And it's, it, it kind of tries to go for that quirky, simple storytelling style. Like, Oh brother, where art thou? And that's what I was hoping it was going to be. I saw the trailer. I'm like, Oh, this is like a funky story about, uh, about an actor getting captured by, I don't know who, and they don't let you know in the trailer. And it turns out, spoiler alert, I'm spoiling fucking everything about this movie because it kind of was shitty anyway. So who cares? You're probably not going to see it. It's, he's kidnapped by like communists and it wasn't like, I don't, it just wasn't good. Like there wasn't a story, there wasn't an end and it was just like very, just like shells of characters by all these actors. And I'm like, okay, like Josh Brolin's, I'm trying to quit smoking, but I got to solve this. And then I'm the producer and I love working in Hollywood. And then you have like a few character storylines outside of that, like George Clooney's character. He's like the dumb actor comes a part of the commie thing, but then the end, it, nothing was resolved by the end. It wasn't funny. It wasn't clever, in my opinion. It was just fucking dumb. Oh, I sound like such an asshole, too, because I'm talking about the Coen brothers, and they're so great. Come on, like Fargo, No Country for Old Men, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I mean, there's, look, the list goes on and on with these guys. There are, they're fucking amazing filmmakers. Inside Lewin Davis? Oh my god, Inside Lewin Davis is amazing. That's that's I always forget that one. That movie was so underrated when it came out. I don't know why more people didn't see it. Such a beautiful film. But dude, dude. Hail Caesar fucking sucked, honestly. I just did not like it. I just the moment it started, I'm like, okay, all right, be patient, be patient, be patient. And then you realize it gets to a point where you just don't give a shit. And and the worst is getting to that point when you're in a theater and you've got all the popcorn and the soda and you bought the tickets and you've gone through all this effort to go see this movie and go give them your fucking money for something you could download illegally, which I'm not going to because I, I try and respect the filmmaker. I pay for Spotify for a reason. I respect the artist. I respect them. Enough. I don't buy the albums. Jesus Christ. I buy the records a little bit. But we go through all that effort. We spend all that fucking money. We do all this shit. And just like fucking an hour and a half later, you're just like, when the fuck is this going to end? I just don't care. And it, it just sucked. It just sucked. It wasn't very funny. It wasn't like, oh, Brother, Where Art? That was like a very simple story. Uh, where, where it's just kind of like one of those adventures where you go along. And I felt like it was going for that. But Oh Brother Where Art Thou was just like... Oh Brother Where Art Thou was on a whole nother level. I mean, it is such a great movie. It is so strange and quirky and funny and style. 
uh, styled in a way that it just all works perfectly. And it just felt like this movie, Hail Caesar, everybody was just on a different page. I just didn't know what movie it wanted to be. I didn't know what story it was trying to tell. I didn't know what message it was trying to say. It, and I, I just hope they weren't pressured into by the studio or something like, hey, you got to make another movie. You got to, it's another two years or something. I, I mean, I don't think that's what it is. The Coen brothers aren't those kind of filmmakers. Now they have enough money. They're going to make the movie they want to make. And they probably wanted to make it because they watched old great films. I mean, it's a really big throwback of like an, uh, you know, an old actor back at, way back in the fucking day. Like, I don't know if it was World War Two. I mean, it, I honestly don't know World War Two or like 60s, 50s, 40s. I fuck, I don't know. It was just around that area. It was way back in the day. And, you know, they do all these clips of like old musicals and tap dancing and and old like, you know, like Scarlett Johansson plays like a mermaid in a movie. And there's just like all these, you know, Westerns and all these throwbacks to old types of movies. And I bet they just had so much fun making those segments and those sequences. And they were good. They were well done. But at the end of the day, it just didn't amount to much. I mean, it's like, I don't want to go fucking pay all this money to see a movie just to see three good scenes that like mimic uh, how old movies used to be made. Like, I still want to have that there for a fucking reason. And it just, it didn't, it didn't work for me. It really didn't work for me. And I just, I just fucking hated it. I loathed, be, I loathed being in there the whole time. I was, I was just sitting in there and I'm just like slowly but surely just unraveled in like the most negative way possible where it just started to just fall apart for me. And then I just, by the end of it, I'm like, get me the fuck out where that, you know, you have that anywhere. It's like written and directed by, and, and it either gives that like feeling of elation. You're like, fuck yes. And you just like want to clap. You're like, yes, that was awesome. Or it's just the exact opposite. And it finally comes and you're like, Oh my fucking, it's like, who's to blame? Like you just see the names up there. And you're like, ah, oh, God damn it. And that's exactly what went through my head. And it's, it's harsh. I know it's the fucking Coen brothers. I got to have respect. And I still do. I'll see any other movie they come out with, but it'll be a while before I can get that, that taste out of my mouth from that, that movie. It was pretty bad. So those are my two movie reviews. Uh, hateful eight. I got a little more in depth on Hail Caesar. I didn't really as much. I mean, it just, I just fucking didn't like it. It just pissed me off. And I just kind of tried to push it out of my mind. I was excited to watch it and have a good review for you guys. Uh, for the podcast, some movie to suggest. And I do like berating things sometimes. It's fun to rant against stuff and have negative energy like that. But at the same time, it doesn't do you guys any good as listeners. Because it's like, it's fuck. It's nothing to watch, nothing to listen to. But I guess you could see it and be like, hmm, let me see if I hated it too, which is always interesting as well, getting a negative review and actually enjoying something. So, uh, you know, hopefully that happens. I hope you enjoy the movie. I really do. But I just, fuck, turn me on to why you did if you did, because shit, I did not enjoy it at all. And Hateful Eight was all right. I mean, it was, it was entertaining, and I was glad I watched it till the end. Like, it was a good enough movie where I enjoyed it from start to finish enough to be like, all right, I want to see how this ends. But near the end, I was ready I was ready to get out of the theater. I'm like, all right, I've had enough popcorn, enough soda. Let's, let's fucking go. So th- those are my movie reviews. Uh, just gave you a TV preview. We're wrapping up here. It's it's hour and four minutes in. I, I got going and, and rambled a lot today, and I, I hope you enjoyed it. I got the day off, so I just got to relax and not be rushed on the podcast. Always a great feeling. Uh, yeah, like I said, we got the movie reviews. We got the TV preview. Watch vinyl. Let me know what you think. I'm going to definitely talk about that next episode. Girls premiere, Togetherness premiere. It's fucking exciting. If you haven't seen Togetherness season one, go watch it now. Girls, you got a lot of work to do, so just maybe wait for all of that to be on. You can stream it all together from seasons one through five. You know, start Girls now, and by the end of the fifth season, you'll crush it. Just don't spoil it yourself. I'll spoil it on here, so just stop listening to the podcast if you're doing that. But uh, that's that's TV, and then finally music. We got we got Moomin as the suggested artist for the week, and uh, 
and I just appreciate you guys listening. It's been content for the culture. In episode 10, we made it. It's exciting and we're staying, we're staying consistent. Uh, every two weeks, these episodes are going to come out. And, uh, and I do apologize if you've been hearing a little bit of an echo, this, this podcast, it's a little harder. I'm, I'm podcasting from my, my girlfriend's place and it's, I'm in the living room. It's just has a bit of an echo. It's, uh, did, did the last episode in my room, which has less of one. So I apologize if that was a distraction at all. Nonetheless, otherwise, nonetheless, otherwise, thank you for listening hour and five minutes. I think this is the longest podcast so, so far. Uh, I'm going to leave you with a track by movement. I'm going to turn on my little Bluetooth speaker here. Yeah, if you're if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, that's that is how I play the music into the podcast beginning and end. So sometimes there's a little bit of volume control you have to do at the beginning uh, or at the end of the of, of the podcast. But nonetheless, uh, sorry for the crackling. Let's just finish this episode up. Uh, last track. Let me leave you with here. We got Moomin, suggested artist of uh, episode ten. Let's go to the album. Minor thought. Great fucking album. Go listen to it. Go listen to it. How many songs did I save? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight songs. Eight out of 11. Eight out of 11 ain't bad. That's good. So uh, enjoy. I'm going to leave you with a kind of a chill track here. Uh, if you didn't work today, I hope you have a great day off and hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast. If you had to work, I hope you listened to the podcast and enjoyed it while you were plugging away at your computer or doing whatever it is you do. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Content for the Cultured, episode 10. We made it. Thank you.